The theme of a vineyard is very strong in the imagery of all today's readings. The first reading begins in this way. Let me sing to you of the song of my friend and his vineyard. We then hear the psalm which directly instructs us as to the meaning of what a vineyard is and what it represents. It says the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. Lastly, in the gospel, Jesus tells the parable of the vineyard and the dishonest stewards. The scripture is pregnant with symbolism today. The interpretation of this parable vast, and there are so many things to focus on that I'm just going to focus on one, that of the vineyard itself. There are so many different ways that the vineyard can be interpreted. For a little clarity, we go to the early church fathers. St. Jerome, lover of scripture, said that the Lord has planted a vine of which Isaiah the prophet spoke when he prophesied, the vine of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. He says that the wall around the vineyard represents either the wall of the heavenly city or the guardianship of the angels that surround the throne of God. Another theologian, Pseudo Chrysostom, thought that by the hedge, we were to understand the protection of the Holy Church Fathers of the Old Testament, who were set as a wall around the people of Israel. Origen thought the hedge was God set around his people. I'm sorry, Origen thought the hedge which God set around his people was his own providence, and the wine press was the place of offering. In one of his gospel commentaries, St. Aquinas points out, points out that the wine press represents the altar of sacrifice. This is a fun interpretation, also from Pseudo-Chrysostom. He says that the wine press in the story is the word of God, and the word of God tortures man when it contradicts his fleshly nature. This feels entirely true if you've ever been convicted in your heart by the scriptures. Origen says that perhaps in the gospel, the vineyard is the kingdom of God, that is, the doctrine which is contained in Holy Scripture, and a man's blameless life is the fruit of his vineyard. The letter of the Scripture is the hedge set around the vineyard, that the fruits which are hid in it should not be seen by those who are without. So just to be clear, he is saying that what protects us is the Holy Word of God, this feels true if you've ever had anyone attack the scripture and not revere it as the inspired word of God, but rather just another religious text among many. Those who are outside of the church or even our own Christian brothers and sisters who condemn us for retaining the original canon of scripture before Martin Luther had his way with it often miss the meaning of the words of scripture. How can we contradict the words of Jesus when he says, this is my body. This is my blood. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have life within you. Yet for so many who read that, they disagree, looking at our belief in the Eucharist as foolishness or a stumbling block to their own faith. Much of today's text is devoted to describing the biblical vineyard, it has a hedge, soil, tenants, a watchtower, a wine press. These are all important details that cannot be passed over. If you were to set up a vineyard incorrectly, 
One should not be upset or surprised when it does not go well. If we do not provide the structure of the vineyard to be successful, then it will not yield what we desire. The readings make it clear that the people in today's readings have set up their vineyards exactly correct. They have done everything they need to be successful, and yet, in the first reading, the author reports that even though he has done everything correctly, his vineyard yields wild grapes instead of what he planted. Jesus tells us, I'm sorry, Jesus tells the tale of the vineyard in which the landowner does everything right, and yet the tenants act dishonestly. So I ask, what happens when you do everything right and it still works out terribly? That is the question our readings beg today. Now this is a short homily because the answer to that question is found entirely in the second reading. So we're just merely going to reread it. It starts out, brothers and sisters, so listen up, because he's speaking to everyone. He says, have no anxiety at all. And when I read that, I ask, can I have a little bit of anxiety? Like just a comfortable amount of anxiety? Like I feel like I'm a human and I need some, but no, he says no anxiety at all. But rather, in everything, we should make our requests known to God. But it doesn't say to treat God like a vending machine and only go to him when we want something or need something. It qualifies the way we are to approach the Lord. It structures our prayer for us, even. It says we are to go to the Lord with prayer and petition. Now, be clear, all petition is prayer, but not all prayer is petition. For prayer at its heart is just loving the Lord, spending time in his presence because he is a loving father, and you, his adored son or daughter. Then once you have taken time to enjoy that love, you are to ask him for the things you need. And we should ask, I'm sorry, we should love him and ask for his help in a qualified way, the readings say. We are to ask with thanksgiving already. The first reading starts out, let me tell you of my friend in his vineyard. So let me tell you about my friend, Father Solanus. Solanus Casey was a Capuchin friar who did everything right. He was born in 1870 in the Midwest to a loving Catholic family. He eventually went to seminary and went to a German seminary, even though he did not speak German well. It was the only option. Because he did not speak the language well, they thought that his intelligence was suboptimal. So they agreed to ordain him, but only to the simplex priesthood. Now here is a history about the priesthood. There used to be two degrees, the simple and full priesthood. Every priest today enjoys the full priesthood, but back when Father Solanus was ordained, he was ordained a simple priest. And as a simplex priest, he was allowed to say Mass, but never to preach, nor hear confessions. Being a simplex priest also meant that he was relegated to the lowest position in the monastery, that of the friar who answers the door and deals with the beggars. Solanus, not deterred in the slightest, would receive people lovingly and help them in any way he could. It soon became apparent that Solanus had a deep holiness, for everyone who came for his help often left aided and healed. Often people would call the friary and he would pray with them over the phone, and even though they were miles away, they would receive healing. A co-worker estimates that on an average day, 150 to 200 people came to see Father Solanus in the front office. Most of the time, they came just for his blessing, 
but a good 50 or 60 people came for consultation every day. Many people considered him instrumental in cures and other blessings they received. He had a deep love for the rosary, and whenever he would get in the car for a long or short trip, would look at his traveling companion, if he had one, and say, let's pray the rosary. He was always thanking God ahead of time, not angry at his assignment, no anxiety in his heart, praying constantly, and when he needed to, petitioning God for others. He was always exhorting them to pray for the miracles that the Lord would perform for them. Thank God ahead of time, he said. Thank him for what he is going to do for you. He would pray with people and leave them with the hope that the Lord was going to act on their behalf. Father Solanus died in 1957, and it is estimated that 20,000 people passed by his coffin to pay respects before his burial in St. Bonaventure Church in Detroit, Michigan. Through his own peace, he was able to bring the peace of Christ to others through the hope that he imparted in them. The second reading continues, After you have made prayer and petition known in, with thanksgiving to God, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Blessed Solanus Casey knew this well. The peace of God was in him because he sought it out. He did not passively try to acquire it, excuse me, but thought active prayer, I'm sorry, but through active prayer and listening to the Lord, he sought his will, and in doing the Lord's will, there is always peace. The gospel acclamation we heard today says, I have chosen you from the world, says the Lord, to go and bear fruit that will remain. We are to set up our own vineyards in life. We are to prepare and be diligent in the work that we are given. We can absolutely never hope to do it on our own. Direct your attention to the icon above my head. Read the words in the book, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you dwell in me and I in you, you will bear good fruit. We must remain attached to the vine, which is Christ, or we will never bear good fruit on our own.